Good morning, church. We are uh, just so blessed, um, man, just to be a part of this community and to be a part of what God's doing in this community. I am, I'm just so humbled that we have hundreds of students and adults uh, going on missions this week. Uh, I'm so excited about what God's going to do with our students and in our adults. And I just want us to be a church that just is committed to praying for everybody that's on missions this week, because that is a giant like opportunity, a giant like task for the leaders, for all those that work so hard. Uh, guys, would, would you guys commit to praying fervently every single night for our missions this week? Would you guys commit to that? If so, would you guys just applaud? Just saying, yeah, that's me. I'm going to be every single night. I pray if you're home, get your, your kids, if you have them, come around and just Please pray for our missions this week. Uh, we'll have teams here. Uh, junior high is staying in town, which is wise. <laughs> and then we have um, we have another uh, high school team in town, but we have teams going to uh, Dominican Republic, Mexico. I'll be taking a group, 36 of us, down to Guatemala. So yes, the Guatemala team is excited. Um, and and uh, Chloe and Chris, they were up here seeing Chris. Poor Chris, his voice was killing him. And he toughed through that. He's going with me to Guatemala. So we'll catch a plane uh, tonight. We already had a whole bunch leave this morning or yesterday. So just really excited. And you know what I love about missions is it really gives our students and our adults just a week to kind of unplug from everything else that really grabs our attention and just focus on the kingdom and just living missionally. And, and honestly, you know, that isn't just for mission trips, right? We know we don't have to wait for a mission trip to live missionally that Jesus calls all of us to be on mission, to listen to his voice, to respond to his nudges at work or wherever we are. So I want all of us to be on missions this week. Can I get an amen? Like everyone is on missions this week, right? Like I want, Chris is on missions, man. I'm glad. Thank you, Chris. Uh, but all of us, and I want us to just really think about that. In fact, what I'm going to preach on today in this prayer series is really around that kind of like heart, that praying big, bold, like mountain moving kind of prayers, because I think that's what happens when you're on the mission. When your heart's really captivated by the mission of God, like you're going to pray big, bold, mountain moving prayers. And I'm going to preach on that this morning. Uh, but before I do, I want to just kind of ask, how are we doing in this series? Like I've been really praying for this series for months, that when we talked about prayer in our, our church, it would really move the needle for each and every one of us, that we would really start to pray different kinds of prayers. And maybe you've already had that prayer life that was just vibrant and rich, and all this series has done is encourage you. Uh, but maybe for some of us, it's, been, it's kind of been a wake-up call. And I, I want to just see how you're doing. I, I, I pray that you're being impacted by what God wants to do in your life. Um, two weeks ago, when we started the series, we talked about the importance of not just talking to God, but actually praying to God, right? And we said that there's a difference between talking and praying, and that it changes from talking to praying when you stop hiding. And I talked about how we as humans have a tendency to hide. Even in prayer, we become very rote and routine. We're not really praying. We're just kind of going through a list, maybe, if you're really disciplined. Maybe you're saying a few words before a meal, but we're really not communing with God the way God designed us to. And I talked about the Garden of Eden and I talked about how it's just built in, it's wired into our DNA, right? To kind of run from God or hide from God. 
And what God did in, in the cross is he made it possible for us to come out from those trees, to not be afraid of being in God's presence, to know that he wants us and that he accepts us. And then I encouraged us to kind of just get naked before God, stop hiding and just be raw. You are safe. Let me tell you this. You are safe in God's presence. You can tell him how you're feeling. You don't have to flower up your prayers. Just talk to your father. Can I get an amen? That's what he wants. And then yesterday or last week, was yesterday? Last week, we talked about Jesus and we looked at his prayer life. And we said that Jesus had a unique prayer life and it, and it was not because the way Jesus prayed, he prayed with this intimacy. He wasn't praying to some distant deity. He wasn't praying to the universe, right? Jesus was praying to his heavenly father, a present parent. He was praying to a God he knew heard him and knew loved him. And then Jesus invited us, his disciples, to into that relationship so that we could pray the same way. We could pray like our hearts are on fire. We could pray like we're in love. That we should pray those intimate prayers that says, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I'm just showing up this morning. Daddy, I don't have anything on the agenda. I just want to be in your presence. That would, be, that would be the way Jesus prayed. He prayed sometimes all night just to be with the Father. And so we talked about praying like you're in love. And so what I want to do um, in this series is I want to talk about what, or today's message, I want to talk about what happens when you do both of those. When you pray just like raw prayers and you know you have a heavenly father who loves you and you hold both of these truths, what kinds of prayers come out for that person? It was 2002 and I was leading my first mission trip. And I was, uh, I was uh, somehow I had convinced 17 parents to let me take their kids to Venezuela. I was 24 years old and Mike was with me and he had hair back in those days. And uh, so we were on this trip. Yeah, do you see the picture? There he is. Yeah. And we are, we are headed up. My, Michelle's with me and we're high up in the, um, in the Andes Mountains. We're, we're way up on the north end of the Andes Mountains chain in Venezuela this is before the dictatorship, okay? And uh, what's hilarious is you could not hardly get a hold of your parents. I, I still can't believe parents let us do this, right? D there was no like Live 360 tracking your child like there is today. Like literally we're getting on a plane, we're headed to Miami. A couple days later, we're gonna be in Venezuela and we'll call you from a payphone, mom. Like that's the kind of uh, communication that we had. I remember getting to that payphone and realizing there was like 20 people in line. It was the only phone like I think in that town and you had to have a, pay, a, a, a phone card to even use it. And these phone messages were like two, two seconds. Like, hi, mom, I'm alive. Bye, click. I mean, it's like literally that. Uh, I was thinking that would not fly today. Um, but that was where we were. And I remember being uh, in this one mountain village and we had planned an amazing day of ministry. We were on this basketball court, outdoor court. We had this um, sound system set up. We had games for children, sports for uh, like teenagers, and we had this drama we had prepared that would help us communicate. Even if language barrier was there, we could still communicate through this drama. And we had all this set up. We were all ready to go. We did all this planning. We got all the way there. And then all of a sudden, the biggest, darkest, thickest clouds you ever saw come rolling in to this mountain town. And I'm like, it is Noah's flood right now. Like, this is like not good. I remember grabbing those kids and I said, guys, we got to pray, you know? And so we get into this circle. And I mean, this is like one of those like, Lord, like, 
<laughs> hold back the waters kind of prayer. And we're all in this circle and we pray. And, and you know, as a leader, you're risking stuff right there because you're just going to, in front of all your students, you're just like praying boldly that God holds back the water, right? And if he doesn't, you're going to look pretty bad, right? And so I got all my, my students, we're holding hands and we're, we're like, Lord, we just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, like, don't let the rain rain. I'm not kidding, guys. The rain didn't fall until our ministry time was over. Guys, it was like the wall of water was stayed. It was like the Egyptians were going to drown in the Red Sea and we were going through on dry. I mean, it was amazing. It was like literally like, wow, right? We said a, we, we finally said the last amen to the last kid, give the last high five, the last face paint or whatever we were doing. And all of a sudden it was like, then Noah's flood hit. It was amazing, right? We, we, we drive around. I can't believe, like, it had been raining literally everywhere else except for this one spot. That's amazing. The thrill of answered prayers. But there's another memory that's also burned in my mind. And it's a, a staircase in our house on Wall Trip. And my wife is three or four stairs up. And I see a look on her face I had never seen before. It was a look that was like a mixture of, of disgust and despair. And for the first time in my life, I, I didn't know if this was going to be a major, major like turning point in our marriage because we had just gotten back from the doctor and he just told us that our twins were no longer alive. We had prayed for years. We had been in tr- treatments for f- infertility for months We had been weeks, 13 weeks into this pregnancy and totally out of the blue and unexpectedly, our twins are no longer alive and none of us have any answers and the wind is knocked out of our guts and we are crying and we are shocked. The agony of unanswered prayer. It's both. It's a thrill and it's an agony. And I suspect that there's not a person in this room that hasn't probably experienced some kind of version of that, right? If we had enough time to talk about that, I think that most of us in this room would say, look, there's an undeniable point in my life where I know God did a miracle, right? The situation was too improbable to be coincidental. It was too specific to be random. Like, I I, I believe there are people in this room that have miracle stories that they know God did in their life. In fact, if that's true of you, if you know for sure, like, I no one can tell me different. I know God did a miracle. I know where I was. I know how it happened. I want you to raise your hand if you know that happened. Look at this all around the room. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But I also know that there's probably really sad stories of bewilderment and confusion. When you know you prayed a good prayer for a good reason and you're met with silence and you don't know what to make of that. Prayer can be confusing and so we're on this prayer series. How can I not address this, right? We're in this prayer series, and, and you know a pastor, his goal is to get you to pray, right? And I want to talk to you about prayer. But the, the, the point is, the truth is, like, if I'm going to talk about this topic, I've got to address this one, because this is the one that maybe is the elephant in the room. Because unanswered prayers can be like wet blankets on our faith. For some reason, I don't know what it is about humans, right? But we're just kind of like wired to remember the disappointments more than the miracles. 
We forget the windfalls and focus on the shortfalls. I don't know what it is about us, but for some reason, it's just so much easier for us to lean into doubt than lean into faith. Can I get an amen? Is that true? Right? It's just easier to say, you know, I'm not sure prayers do anything, even though we know somehow they do. And what I'm afraid is we've had a couple unanswered prayers, a couple times of silence. And so we stop asking because we're not quite sure. There's one thing I really don't think is helpful when we think about prayer. And it's something that preachers and pastors sometimes say, and I may have even said this before, but I've really been reflecting on this. And I want to tell you something that I don't think is helpful. And that's this. I don't think it's helpful to tell people that there's three things that can happen when you pray. That God can either say yes, he can say no, or he can say wait. I think probably most of us have heard that somewhere and I, and I understand why that's said, because we try to understand and reconcile kind of our experience with prayer. And sometimes it feels like there's a yes, and sometimes it feels like there's a no, and sometimes it feels like there's a wait. But I really don't think that's helpful because I don't really see Jesus ever saying that, right? I, I think there's something else really that we need to be focusing on. And, and I think what happens when we think there's a no I think that that can really mess with our faith. I think when we think I could pray, I can pray. And if God's going to say no, then it's, you know, kind of what's the point? And if you have a couple of no's in a row, you might just think, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe there's only certain people that really get yeses. But those are people that are more holy than me, more connected than I am. And maybe, maybe there's a first string and I'm not on that first string, you know? And, that, and, that, and then you start to, or maybe you get kind of cynical and you just say, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do anyway. So why pray? If I pray and he says no, it's just because he's going to do what he's going to do. And so I really just, I don't know if I'm going to keep praying. I want to challenge you with something today. What if I were to tell you it was always yes? What, what if I were to tell you that it's always, always Yes. That when you pray, it's always yes. When you really, really pray, it's always going to be yes. Now, let me say something. It might not be the exact yes you're asking, but it's always going to be a yes. Let me say this. Let me say this. There's never a time it was a waste of time for you to pray. Here's my big idea, and I want to try to prove this to you today, guys. When we pray, we never leave empty-handed. You might not get exactly what you're asking. We're going to kind of flesh this out today. But here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. When you pray, and I mean when you really pray, we're going to talk about what that really means today. In faith, you're not going to go home empty-handed. If I could prove to you, if I could promise to you, if I could, if I could convince you that if you prayed, you would not go home empty-handed, would you pray? Would that change you? Would that make you say, you know what, I'm going to pray then. Now, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know I'm going to get something good. I'm going to pray. That's the purpose of today's message. You know, let me say this to you. If you really just looked at what Jesus taught about prayer, you would almost think it's unbelievable. It's really wild. With most things, we believe Jesus like we do. We have a no, we, we, it's not that hard to believe Jesus because we think he's trustworthy and we think he's somebody I can, I can believe, you know? But when we look at, in just a minute, what he says about prayer, I'm going to guarantee you, we're all going to struggle with what he said. We're going to say, did he really say that? Can I really believe that? You guys ready? You guys excited about studying God's word together? Come on, man. Matthew chapter 18, look what he says. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, 
it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. All right, John chapter 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Mark chapter 11, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. In his really incredible book, The Praying Life, Paul Miller says this, all of Jesus's teachings on prayer in the gospels can be summarized with one word, ask, ask. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, and I had to give this sermon a haircut, guys. There was even more verses. I just whittled them down over and over and over. Every time Jesus talks about prayer, he says, ask. It's as if he wants us to ask. He's like, ask, ask in my name, ask, ask, ask over. If you're in Mark, it's ask. If you're in Matthew, it's ask. If you're in Luke, it's ask. If you're in John, it's ask. Guys, Jesus wants us to what? Ask. So here's my question. Why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? Hey guys, when's the last time you asked for a big, bold, mountain-sized prayer? When's the last time you asked? In his excellent book, Pray Like Monks, Live Like Fools, (laughs) Tyler Stanton says these words. He asks this question. He says, try to recall everything you prayed for in the last week. And if God answered every one of your prayers, what would happen? He says this, with the exception of one or two particularly bold or naive people, the answer is usually very little. His point, we do not ask. We are not an asking people. Jesus told us over and over and over to ask, and we just are not asking. Why aren't we asking? (sighs) I know we need to read these verses in context. And there are some of you thinking, well, wait a second, Brad. <laughs> Where's this sermon going? Because <laughs> I heard about those churches and those pastors are flying some big jets and they're asking everybody to, you know what I mean? You know, ask and the prosperity and all this stuff, you know? So let's look at the context. Yes, I agree. We need to look at the context. This is important. Because there is a context for asking. In John chapter 15, so we were in John 14 a minute ago where Jesus says, ask in my name and I'll do it. So John 15, chapter next Jesus starts off with this principle of abiding. He calls us branches. He says that he's the true vine. And he, and he says his father is the, is, the, is the gardener. And so we are, we are to be abiding in the vine. Like we're branches that are just nourished by connection with Jesus. He says, without me, you can do nothing. And then he says these words about prayer. Look what he says in John 15. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. So I want you to remember the metaphor. He's talking about vines and branches. So it's almost as if the nourishment, the life that flows through that vine into that branch, this is the image you're supposed to be having in your mind. He says, so his words are like that life that's flowing into those branches. He says, if you remain in me 
and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. In John, 1 John chapter 5, the writer John says this. He says, and this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he, let's all say it, hears us. Jesus is repeating this invitation to ask, ask, ask. It's important to understand, like we learned last week, that Jesus has invited us into this relationship that he has with his father. And it's inside of that relationship that we're asking. So Jesus is not portraying God as this genie in heaven ready to grant wishes. No, no, no. You are being invited into the most intimate and most sacred of all relationships. You're invited into the Trinitarian relationship that has existed from eternity between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And you're invited into that community. And within that context, you are asking. You're not asking so that your lusts can be fulfilled. That's what James talks about. <laughs> if you don't get what you're asking for, it's because you're asking for the wrong stuff, you knucklehead, right? You got, you got your heart in the wrong spot. A heart that's nourished by the word of Jesus is not going to be asking for, for selfish things. You're going to be aligned with God's will. And so you're asking out, out of that relationship. You're asking within that relationship and you're saying, God, I want you to give me this. God, I feel like this is really important. God, I feel like this is just an incredible just opportunity for your kingdom. Can I tell you a quick story? So yesterday, um, I took my daughter, Taryn, and we were, uh, we were just uh, driving around, and we're about to go to Guatemala. And uh, I was like, you know what? I just don't think we have enough shoes. Uh, we all gathered shoes and got do shoes donated. I was like, I'm just worried we're going to get down there and wish we had more shoes. So we go to Walmart. And I'm like, maybe we'll just find some really good deal on shoes, right? Like, you know, like basically free, you know? Will you give me shoes, right? Um, and so um, we get into the shoe, find the shoe area, get into the shoe area. And uh, I'm like, Lord, um, God, would you give us just a good deal on shoes? Right? I just pray that out loud. And so then I look at the shoes and they're like, you know, the cheapest shoe is maybe 15 bucks. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to buy very many shoes if they're 15 bucks, you know? So we're looking all around. We look all over. We don't find them. I'm like, shoot, you know? And I said that prayer out loud, and Taryn, I know, heard me. And I'm like, ah, I want, I want Taryn to see God do something, you know? Um, we get to the last aisle. We're not even actually in the normal section. Guys, would you believe we bought like 16 shoes at $3 a shoe? Uh, 16 pairs of shoes for like $3 a shoe. I can pay $3 a shoe. I wiped out Walmart of the $3 shoes. I, I did not know they sold $3 shoes. These are great shoes. We have now filled up our suitcase with shoes because, because God answered a quick prayer because I think it was totally aligned up with his will. We were at Guatemala. Let's just go, right? I need more shoes. Guys, you want to tell you something? I have a suspicion that God quickly answers prayers when it has something to do with the mission he's got you for. I just think God's like, yes, as soon as you ask, you got it. You need it, you got it. Supply angel, get that over there because that guy's asking for something for the mission and I'm all about that prayer. Are you with me, church? That's just super important. Jesus wants us to ask. Jesus wants us to ask. I think some of the reasons we don't ask is because of what we started talking about earlier, about prayers that don't get answered. I want to look at a really important teaching of Jesus today. It's in Matthew chapter 7. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. 
If you could pick one place where Jesus' teaching is just all in one spot, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most co- comprehensive teachings of Jesus in one sermon. And so when you see something in the Sermon on the Mount, you and I need to take special care to listen to what's said because this, I think, is his hallmark teaching. And in Matthew chapter 7, look what Jesus says about prayer. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, what's interesting about each of these verbs is in the Greek, we find that they are actually in the present tense imperative, meaning there's a continuation. It's not just ask, it's keep asking. In fact, the, NI, the NLT translates it just like that. Look at the NLT's translation. This should say verse seven. We're still in verse seven. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you've asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. And then it continues. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I want to say this to you. Prayer is not an event. It's a process. Prayer is not something you do once and you just walk away. Prayer is something you keep on doing. You keep on asking. You keep on persisting. It's a process, not an event. It isn't something you just kind of, oh yeah, I asked once for that. And God said, no, he did not say no. You did not ask. Well, yes, I did. That is not asking. <laughs> Let me say this to you. Anyone who's married in here, I told her I loved her once. That should be enough. That does not communicate love, right? That you told me that one time, right? Uh, my, my, my twins, and they're in the room, and I'm, I love them so much, but I'm going to use them. as uh, Taryn, she was in the example. Now the twins are. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll confess to you later. I love my girls. And they had this really dear friend leave and move to Montana in the summer. And it is not a joke. I bet you every single week, some, one of them asks if they can go visit Nova in Kalispell, Montana. And they're probably watching. So hello, Brown family. Um, and so here's what happens. Dad, can we go to, go, can we go to, can we go see Nova this weekend? I'm like, um, she doesn't live in Boulder City. <laughs> she lives in Montana. We cannot go this weekend, right? So it's every day. It's, they're asking ever since, you know, the summer, honestly. And so um, now spring breaks. It was Christmas break. Of course, can we go to see Nova in Christmas break? And I'm like, no, who wants to go to Montana in the Christmas break? No one does except for Santa, right? Um, and now spring break's coming. So guess what they're asking? Can we go to spring? You know, right? Here's the deal. I have no doubt <laughs> what my daughters want. Because they have done what? Continued to what? Ask. You do not ask once. You continue asking. What does it mean to ask in faith? Jesus said, if you ask in faith. Jesus gives us this parable about that. It's in Luke chapter 18. This is powerful, church. And I pray this lands so heavy on your heart. Look what it says. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Let's read this and not give up. I love that Luke kind of gives us a heads up on what the parable is about. Because sometimes Jesus tells a parable and everyone's kind of scratching their head. Like, what is he exactly saying? Luke's like, look, I don't want anyone to miss what this one's about. Okay. This one's about do not stop praying. Look at the parable. He said in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that, in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, 
Grant me justice against my adversary. Verse four, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And look what Jesus says. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. It's as if Jesus is telling this story and he doesn't want anyone to miss what the judge said. Because what the judge says is so revealing. This judge doesn't care about people. This judge doesn't care about the widow. This judge doesn't care about anybody. But even that kind of jerk is going to finally do something for this widow. And Jesus doesn't want you to miss it. Look what he says next. He says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? The answer is what? No, listen, what God revealed about Jesus is he's nothing like that judge. He's nothing like that unrighteous judge. Jesus is so much more inclined to us He's so much more bent over to hear us. He's so much more ready and willing. The father's so much more ready and willing to answer our prayers than that jerk of a judge. But Jesus is saying this, don't miss what the judge said. The continual coming of the widow is gonna move him off of his rear end and help how much more your father. But look at this powerful word. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, however, when the son of man comes, will he find what? That's interesting. That's really interesting. Will he find faith? Jesus is telling us what faith looks like inside of prayer. And you know what it looks like? Persistence. That's what faith looks like inside of prayer. See, sometimes you kind of scratch your head. What does it mean to have faith in your prayer? Is it, is it like, do you grunt? Like, it's really believe, you know? Mm, you know, what are you doing? I'm trying to pray with faith, you know? I like, really believe, <laughs> right? Um, is that what faith looks like inside prayer? Guys, I think that's part of it. I'm not, I know I was te- teasing a second ago. I think you have to go to God with belief, right? But here's, here's where f- we, we, we flame out, right? We start to do that and then he must have said no. And you know, there's three possibilities. It's yes, no, or not yet. And he's saying no, because the door's still shut. Friend, that door's not shut. Knock on that door. That door is not shut. It is shut right now because the father wants to know, do you really want to go to Montana or not? Right? Are you with me on that? Because Montana is a little bit of a distance. And if that's what you really want, you better be showing me that's what you really want. Are you with me today? I need you not to just ask. I need you to seek and I need you to knock. Do you see the level of progression? Asking's easy. Seeking's a little harder. Knocking takes the most effort. Are you with me, church? Are we going to be a knocking church? Are we going to be a church that knocks? Are we going to be a church that pounds on the door like the widow in the story and says, I am not quitting until I hear from heaven. I am not going to just give up. Guys, let me say this to you. It's passion plus persistence gets you results in prayer. Can I just say that today? Man, some of us have stopped praying way too, too short. 
We have just given up way too soon. We need to get a brother and we need to get a sister. We're gonna preach on that next week. We need to say, guys, listen, I'm feeling tired. My, my knuckles are hurting. I've been knocking on this door and you know what? I need your faith because I need some of that persistence. I need some of that patience. Would you come and would you just bear up underneath me? Would you carry me? Some of us, man, I'm starting to preach next week's sermon already and I just don't want to, but here's the deal. Some of us need a friend and we notice that in our buddy and we say, I feel like you're weak. I feel like you're starting to flounder. I feel like you're starting to kind of, you're starting to kind of back away. I'm going to come underneath you. I'm going to grab you. Like Aaron and her, I'm going to grab one arm. She's going to grab the other arm. We're going to grab these arms, right? And we're going to hold them up so that the battle wins. Man, that's some preaching right now, you guys. Come on, right? We got a persistent prayer. But what happens when God is silent? Man, you've been knocking and you've been praying Brad, you're telling me God never says no. I can give you examples of when he did say no. I can tell you when we prayed for healings and we ended up at a funeral. I can tell you when I, I, I just don't think there was any yes. I want to talk about that. I remember several years ago, I was visiting a, a guy in the hospital. I was a volunteer chaplain at UMC and I was visiting this young man in the hospital. And he was... Uh, sick and he wasn't getting better. And I didn't know him, but I would just make it rounds. And so I visited this guy and I said to him, I said, man, what's, what's your story? And he was telling us a story and that he believed in Jesus, but then he kind of doesn't want to even look at me in the eyes. I could see he kind of just wouldn't look at me in the eye. And he just said, um, I know it's my fault I'm in here. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I know, pastor, if I just had more faith, I'd get out of this bed. Guys, I cannot think of anything more unhelpful than to tell somebody who's sick that it's their fault they're staying in that bed. And I know that, that, that there, are some, there are some folks that think that that's appropriate, but I don't find that helpful or appropriate. Even the most faith-filled Christians sometimes experience suffering. And we're all going to die unless Jesus returns beforehand. I want to show you what Paul says. Because Paul was a man who God had given some incredible revelations to. And Paul was, was, was at the point where there had been so much given to Paul that it was almost like Paul could kind of start getting kind of proud and puffed up. And there was this, there was this thorn in his flesh that kept him humble. We don't know what it was. But look what he says in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I guarantee you he's praying in Jesus's name. And I guarantee you Paul is praying in faith. He is persistent, right? Three times. This is probably, scholars say, probably three like seasons of seeking God. So he's, he's checking the boxes we've been talking about today. And then the Lord answers Paul. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Can I point out something that you might not have seen in that verse? Jesus didn't say no. He just said not that. He didn't say no. He didn't say, hey, uh, I'm not taking away your thorn in, in, in this sense. He said, I'm just, he, let me 
rephrase that. He didn't say no. He said, not that. I'm not going to take away the thorn, but I'm not saying no to you because what I'm going to give you is my grace. You are asking for the thorn to be removed, but Paul, you don't know the whole story. And you don't know if I remove that thorn, there's going to be other things that are going to happen. So I'm not telling you no. I'm just saying not that because what I am going to give you is what you're going to need because what you're going to need is to get through this because prayer is a process of you working with Jesus and Jesus giving you what you need, maybe not what you want. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Paul spent three times seeking the Lord. And let me tell you, he did not walk away empty handed. God gave him something. It just wasn't exactly what he asked for. And that's part of this prayer story that you and I have to be okay with as a Jesus follower. Are you with me today? We have to be okay with a good God, knowing what's best, hearing our prayers and saying, look, I'm not going to give you that but I'm going to give you something. This is not a waste of your time. You're not leaving here empty-handed. I want to show you what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake instead. Or he asks for an egg and you give him a scorpion. If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more? Look at this. Your father in heaven give, what is this? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying there. Now, you're asking for something. God, I want this thorn taken away. God, I don't like this pain. God, I want this healing. God, I want this job. God, I want to be married. God, I want, I mean, whatever it is, these are good prayers. These are prayers that are lined up with what you think God's will is. And you're praying and you're knocking and you're knocking. And I'm telling you, keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking. But I also want to tell you that when God opens that door and he will open that door, Jesus said he would, just don't always expect that the universe is bending to your will. Guys, guys, listen, this is really important. God is too wise. He is too sovereign. He is too, he is too just, just above us all to give us everything we're asking for. Because here's the thing. God is not trying to bend himself to your will. He's trying to build, bend you to his will. He's not trying to conform everything to your image. He's trying to conform you to his image. And part of that process is you and I like being in the state of prayer where we're like, God, I'm just going to keep praying here and staying here until I can trust that when you open that door, whatever comes through that door, I am just going to receive as, a, as from the hand of a good father who's given me the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul says as we wrap up in Romans chapter eight. It's powerful, you guys. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's that same, it's that same phenomenon. You're like, Lord, I do, I, I'm asking for this, but it doesn't seem like it's coming through. I'm asking for this, this new, like, move of God, this miracle, but it doesn't seem like it's happening. Lord, I'm, I'm asking. And it's right there, the Holy Spirit, who the Father's giving to us. He says, Brad, I got it from here. I'm going to take it from here. And the Holy Spirit starts to talk for, for us on our behalf. And in verse 27, it says, and the Father who knows all the hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. 
And check this out, guys. The spirit pleads for the believer, look at this, in harmony with God's own will. And then the verse that we all know, probably, and we know, let's all say it together, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And so God takes these prayers. God takes every one of these cries. And he says, I hear you, son. I hear you, daughter. And in this particular case, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start moving things in in the background. I'm going to start moving things in the heavenly realms. I'm going to start taking some things, and I'm going to start shifting things. But I want you to keep in faith, keep praying, keep persisting, because it's in that process that you're being humbled. It's in that process you're being conformed. Guys, it's in that process of pouring your heart out to the Lord that you start to change. And what happens to you is sometimes the waiting, sometimes the trouble, sometimes the struggle actually makes you more like Jesus in the end than if you were to get it right away. Guys, that's really important for us to know because a million years from now, what's really going to matter, what's really going to matter is that the time you had on earth, you prayed big, bold prayers. You saw God do some incredible things. You believed that God can move mountains and he did move some mountains for you. And whenever those mountains might not have moved the way you you asked for them to move, there were other things that happened that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Guys, I just happen to believe what Jesus said about prayer, that if we ask, we're going to receive. I believe that. Do you believe that, church? Is that who we're going to be? Are we going to be an asking church? I think Jesus, I think he just summarizes it all perfectly in one of his final prayers. This tension between praying for what we want and surrendering to the Father and believing that something's going to happen. It's in Mark chapter 14. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. And I want you to remove this cup. He's like, please, I don't want to have to go through the cross. And then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Guys, prayer is never a waste of time. You never go home empty. At the very least, God's going to give you supernatural, spirit-filled grace to endure the trial you're in that you wouldn't have had had you not prayed on the door of heaven and beat on that door. Guys, when he opens that door, he's handing you a gift. I can't tell you exactly what that gift's going to be, but I promise, I promise it was worth your time. So what are we going to do, church? Guys, I pray that you run out of here and say, you know what? I cannot wait to pray, actually. I think I've actually quit praying some prayers way too early. And I need to get right back to that door and pound on that door. I think God isn't, he, I think God wasn't ready yet for me to quit. I think it was, it was me that got quitting too early. In fact, I'm going to find some friends that are committed to praying. And I'm going to put those people in my life. And we're going to start praying some crazy prayers. Guys, how do you want to, how do you want to end your life? What do you want the the story to be about your life? Do you want to be the kind of person who believed God could do crazy things and experience God doing crazy things? Or do you want to be the cynic and the skeptic who just says, you know, I'm not sure prayer does anything. And you know what? You could choose that route. Every one of us can. The choice is yours. Every one of us in this room make that choice. 
Let me tell you guys, there's not a, there's not a more rubber meets the road part of your Christian life than prayer. I don't care how many verses you can quote or how many church services you've attended. The number one indicator of your walk with Jesus, I think, is the sound of your prayers. It's the content of those prayers. Guys, I don't want us to be an unbelieving church. So I'm gonna put a challenge. I want, it, I want all of you <laughs> to just really start praying some bold prayers. And I want you to get a little, uh, maybe piece of paper or your note app or something. And I want you to uh, put, a, put this graph, if you can, on the big screen. I want you to put it like four categories. Me, family, church, and others. And what I want you to do is I want you to start putting in here like miracle prayers, miracle prayer requests. I, I only put one because I don't want to be too vulnerable, but other stuff that's on my list here, okay? But I am praying for a spiritual breakthrough in my life in 2023, like never before. Like I'm just praying and I'm leaving that a little bit open for God, okay? But I just want by the time 2023 is over for me to know like, yeah, the needle moved big time in my walk with Jesus. I am praying for that. I am praying for revival in our church. And I think part of that is number two. I'm praying that we have a hundred people showing up here by the end of the year before services that will just gather and beg God to move in our church. Guys, I just know that if a hundred of us gather in arms together in unity and we beg God together, I know heaven's gonna answer that. I have no doubt about it. I don't know what the result will be, but I guarantee if we got a hundred people begging God to do something, crazy stuff's about to happen up in this church. Is anyone excited about that? I'm excited about that, okay? I pray that by Christmas, we have to go to three services because it's just the Lord is bringing people to himself and the place is just full because, and so we have to have three services just for that. I'm just letting you know, this is what I'm praying for. I don't know if the heaven is gonna open that way, but that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying we have enough money. We can just walk into that new building debt free. I'm praying for that too. Somebody's just gonna drop some money on us. Hey, maybe, guys, why not ask? You guys with me on this? Like, come on, right? Guys, I'm praying for revival in our city. I'm praying for every church in our town to be at max capacity, come on right? Every church full of people, as long as the church is preaching about Jesus, right? Okay. All right. I'm praying for peace in the Ukraine. Why not? Brad, what is your little prayer going to do about Vladimir Putin and Zelensky? I don't know, but I'm going to pray because I don't think God's will is for people to be killed in the Ukraine, right? And I'm going to pray for more rain in, in the Western U.S. Okay. So those are the prayer requests. Guys, what are you praying for? What are you praying for?